Good morning, TCC. How's everybody doing? Man, that was some great worship, Warner. Thank you. Thank you, band. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they come in here, and they're rehearsing, and I'll tell you, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know what the equivalent is, but like, to come in here at like 9.30 and like listening to them, it's, it's actually really nice. <laughs> you kind of get your own little concert, and... Um, that's kind of where, you know, my morning kind of starts, if you will. And um, I just really appreciate, you know, you guys spending the time to do that and to bring us to the throne of grace. I mean, because that, that's really what it is, right? Like, it's us um, casting aside all of the junk that's going on, right? And, um, and this morning's mes- message is... Um, <laughs> It's challenging. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I know. I keep saying this, but the sermon series of crazy things Jesus said has been extremely challenging. Um, I, I don't know if it's been challenging for you. It's been challenging for me, not from a like crafting a sermon perspective, but from a um, personal reflection uh, perspective. Right when when I'm up here preaching, I, I think you guys know. Like I'm, <laughs> I am sitting right next to you guys, uh, receiving the same words from Christ, and they are challenging. And this morning is going to be, uh, I, keep, I think every time I say, this is going to be the hardest. <laughs> uh, but I think, like, this might be the hardest. Uh, I don't know. I think Spencer said it was his was the hardest. I, I don't know. They're tough. And, and, here's, and here's the thing, right? And we just sang it. If he is Lord of our lives, like Lord, not, not the Savior part, right? Like, I actually identified that a little bit, and somebody came up to me afterwards and was like, I've never thought of it that way. Like, the Lord versus Savior. But if he's truly your king, your Lord, then when he says things, we ought to come under that in humble submission to him. And, and if we, and if, and I think what we're going to do this morning, I'll just prep you. When we read these verses, you're going to go, don't like it. I don't like it. I disagree. I must be misunderstanding this. Jonathan must misunderstand this. We must, and we're gonna, and we're gonna do this like biblical ninjutsu to work our way out of this. And go, and this is what we've done historically: is is we we try to soften it somehow, or try to escape the grasp our Savior places on us, our Lord describes for us. Um, we're not gonna do this. We're we're gonna sit there, and we're gonna let him put a chokehold on us, and we're gonna go. All right, all right. But, but here's, the, here's the thing, though. It's not just that he's this Lord that's, like, burdensome. He's loving, right? As a parent in here, hopefully you understand that, right? Like, like I am in charge of my kids, right? Um, but I love them. And so hopefully, right, like, as we come, un, as we put our lives in submission to Christ, it's not just that we're going, well, you know, You'll zap me, hit me with lightning, you know, and I'll be done if I don't obey you. It's not that. It's that we actually believe that he loves us and that this is the best thing for us. Because that's really the question, right? Like, we try to just survive, and God's going, well, if you do this, like, you, you'll, you'll, thrive, you'll thrive. Like, this is the best thing for you. That's my challenge this morning. It's to read these words and go, no, no, no. This is the best thing for you, for me. It's just not the things that we want. And that's, and that's the challenge. So let me start by praying. 
Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you, to read your word and to place our lives in submission to you. And that's our desire, Father. Um, and it's challenging, and you know it's challenging for us. And you know that um, some of us in this room are, are going to really push against what you're saying. Some of us are going to pretend like we do it <laughs> and not. Um, I just pray, Father, that you would meet each of us where we're at transform our hearts and our affections the way only you can, the way only your Holy Spirit can. We pray this now. It's in your son's name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 14, verse 25. If you've got, uh, if you've got a Bible, open it up. If you've got a phone, by all means, you know, turn that thing on. And uh, the verses will be on the screen. I'll be reading from the ESV. It says, Now great crowds accompanied him. Jesus. Now, I, I'll just stop here for a second. I think it's very interesting the lead into this. Great crowds accompanied him. It doesn't say Jesus had a lot of disciples following him. It doesn't say that. It says there was a lot of people, and they were just skipping along, enjoying the fruits and watching what Jesus was doing. It doesn't say that they were followers, right? It says great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, What king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So, therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Man. Seems pretty pretty clear. Three times, cannot be my disciple, right? We, we spend all this time looking for what, what should a disciple be and what should I do as a follower of Christ? And right here, he says three times, well, this is what you can't do. Um, I really struggle with this because I love my wife. So how do we how do we reconcile this? Right? What do we do? What are you guys all thinking right now? <laughs> right? Like, as all of you are trying to figure out a way to to escape this this move, right? <laughs> like, we're like, there's got to be something. There's got to be a misunderstanding. It's a textual error. It's it's not. The word hate means hate. I mean, it's, it's, it's there. Um, 
So, so here we go. You guys ready? Buckle up. We're going to go through this, and we're going to try to figure out what he's saying. And, and here's, here's what's been done historically, right? Is you go first, it's hyperbole. It's exaggeration. Like Jesus is trying to be overly dramatic, and he doesn't really mean hate. He just means don't, you know, don't like him more than me. He says, he says or, or people will interpret it and say, he just wants to be your number one priority, right? Like that's a, I mean, honestly, I think that's where I'm like, yeah, I'll take that one. He's my number one priority until I start counting up how much time I spend <laughs> with my number one priority. Um, and, and the problem is, is we have to reconcile this. We have, we have and, and maybe what you're doing, and this is probably the best theological, best biblically relevant way to do this, is we go to Scripture to interpret Scripture, Right? And we go, well, this doesn't make sense. This can't be what he means because he says that we ought to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. So you're supposed to love yourself and love your neighbor. Okay, so I don't hate myself. I guess I'm supposed to love myself then. And he says, he says that we should love our enemies. Right? If we're supposed to love our enemies, it certainly seems that we should love our parents and our siblings and our kids and our spouses. So this, is, this hopefully is why we struggle with this, is because it makes us raise our eyebrows and go, well, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. In fact, Jesus even condemns the religious elite because they were taking money that should have been going to their parents and giving it to the church. So now it's like, well, <laughs> okay, Jesus, what do you mean by this then? Because if he said all of these other things, how, how do we put this together? And so... The dangerous answer to this is we just gloss over this. And we go, you know what, I'll just focus on those other ones because everybody loves love and it sounds great and it's easy. It doesn't, it's not hard to convince people um, that, that love is a good thing. And so we, we just take this and we just kind of skip past it and attribute it to unexplainable, confusing Jesus and we move past. And I'll go back to the beginning. If he's our Lord, and he wrote this, or he said this, and it was written down, and it was preserved for you and me, then we come under this, and we go, well, let's, let's, let's explain it. All right, so here we go. Verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So I want you to think for a second here. Because I, as we walk through this, we go, well, that doesn't make any sense. But think about what defines your life, who you are. I mean, your last name came from your father or your spouse, right? Your kids, especially in our culture, society, our kids pretty well define, I mean, Wilson and I were just talking about this yesterday, I think we stopped parenting, and our kids now just tell us where we're going and when and what we're doing, right? And maybe some of you are struggling with that, right? Our siblings, our parents, our parents get older, got ailments, and now we're, all of a sudden our lives are conformed into their schedules and their doctor's appointments, right? Like, really, when you look at it, these relationships define us. They really do. They, 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 are, they are what defines kind of what we do in life. And, and that's why at the end of this, it, there's the little key, right? He says, and 
even his own life. Right? So the climax of this, the, the, the emphasis that Jesus is putting here is not on the hating your, your family. The emphasis here is actually on hating your own life. Okay, well, that doesn't help us much. <laughs> now I'm supposed to hate my own life. All right, well, where is this going? Because that's, that's ultimately what he gets to, right? That, that's the, the conclusion of this paragraph. What Jesus is trying to say is that all these things define our life, and we ought to hate our own life. Look what it says in verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So go back. This bearing cross thing, we've heard of this before, right? Go back to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. This is just a few chapters earlier, and it says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Listen to verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So what Jesus just does here is he goes, he, he translates hating your life into Losing your life. You get that? He, he's saying, like, our problem is that we're trying to save our lives. We're trying to protect them, build them. Right? Is that not what we spend, like, 99% of our life doing? Controlling our circumstances. That's what, that's what I'm doing. Right? I try to make sure I have enough money to pay the bills, to keep the cars going, to try move the kids, to pay the bills, to have a job. To, right? Like Everything that we're doing is trying to save and protect and preserve. And, and when you're a kid, like for the youth, right? Like you guys are like getting ready, like the whole canvas is open in front of them and they're, they're trying to create their life. What do I want to be? What do I want to do? And so they're creating it. I would argue, like, if you're in the middle-aged group, you're trying to preserve it. You're just trying to hold the pieces together. And then as you get older, you're trying to, like, just save it. And you're trying to, like, fix health stuff and trying to just make sure we stay alive. And that's what we do. I don't know. Is that, is that a fair assessment? That's not just me, Right? And so this is, this is what he says. He says, no, 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 actually, stop trying to save your life. Stop. Stop it. Bear your cross. He says, this has eternal consequences. He says, for those who are trying to save their life, what's going to happen? They're going to lose eternity. But for those who are willing to lose their life, they'll get eternity. It seems pretty simple then, doesn't it? The words are simple. And the execution of this is anything but. And honestly, I, I really, um, I just like, I, I am... Uh, I am no better at doing this than any of you, and I want you guys to understand that, right? Like, this pierces me as deeply as it does you guys, because I'm like, ah, I don't think I do this. 
I'm trying to save my life. I'm trying to preserve my life. I'm trying to, you know, give my kids the best and do all these things that I think are important. But if Jesus, our Lord, says that if we're trying to save our life, that we're going to lose it, if he says that, that us not hating our life means that we can't be his disciple, well, we have a big problem. Because that would mean everything that we do is counter to what Christ has told us to do. Just sit on that for a second. Because I don't know what that means. And, and I'm like, really? Because I, I, we're all nervous, right? We're like, ah, geez. You think you're nervous. What's the implication? Melissa and I are getting ready to go on vacation. What's the implication? Do I cancel it? Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, how do we understand this? How do we do this? Do, do we sell everything? Do we wander the streets? Is this what Jesus wants for us? What is the answer? How does this apply? All right, so... Let me, let me, let me kind of sidestep a little bit here. We like to control our circumstances. That's us saving our life, right? That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's like, you should hate your life. I'm like, stop trying to save it. I'm like, but that's what we do. We try to control our circumstances. This last week, we saw just the most egregious, horrible, horrific, terrifying thing happen in our community. Right? I mean... I can't even imagine. Um, and that, that hits close to home for many of us, right? Some of you guys are backdoor neighbors with uh, the Bailey family, right? Why was that so shocking? I mean, we know that horrible things happen. Horrible things probably happened last night downtown. Anybody know what happened? Why? So why, why don't we know? Why don't we care about that? Yeah, it's not, it's not close to us. It's, it's not in our backyard. It's not in our bubble. It's not in what we thought we had control over. We thought we had control from the North Amenity Center to the South Amenity Center. We've got gate. Well, actually, it's not gated, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so far off. It's in this beautiful area. And we're like, my kids can bike to school? Somehow we convinced ourselves that we have control. And, and somehow we, we think, well, sin can't get in here. And then we're shocked when it is. And we've realized, we come face to face with the reality that sin is actually inside of our hearts. It's in your own house. It's your next door neighbor. It's you. Sin is pervasive. Our problem is not that we can, we need to control our circumstances better. What's, I mean, I mean we, we tell our kids all the time, right? Like, don't go to the park. You know, if you see a blocked out window van, you know, like this is, these are the things that we caution them against. We don't caution them against their friends. But the reality is, is that, and I'm not trying to like make us like doubt each other, but sin is 
pervasive. Sin is our problem. And there's only one person that has the ability to control and solve our sin problem. That's Jesus Christ. And so we sit here and we're trying to control our circumstances and do all of these things. And Jesus is saying, stop. Stop trying to save your life. You can't do it. You don't have the authority to do it. Maybe, maybe your life is okay for a bit or something, but certainly isn't going to matter in eternity. There's nothing you can do in eternity to solve this. You don't earn your way into heaven. And so he's saying, man, our problem is that we're constantly trying to wrap these things into our hands of control. Jesus says that he is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He's living water. He is the creator and sustainer of our lives. Your breath, like we just sang, you breathe because he chooses for you to breathe it. Your heart beats because he chooses for you to have a heart that beats. This is God. You guys, don't, don't misunderstand that you cannot read scripture and think that God is just our, our little thing that we just kind of sprinkle into our lives and go, oh, this will be nice. This will help me build my life. This will help me control my circumstances. My kids will be better behaved if we go to church. Sorry, that one hit a little close. Isn't this what we struggle with? Because what's our in-state desire? Our in-state desire is comfort, control. And Jesus says, hate your life. Stop trying to save it. That's my job, not your job. And if I want you to die tomorrow, you're going to die tomorrow. And there's nothing you can do about it. Trust me. <laughs> if you didn't laugh at that, ask somebody here. <laughs> like that. So what are we doing? Why are we spending our time doing all these things? And, and we know this, we, right? We know all these things are true, and yet, here's what we do. We try to create... Our bubble. So here's, so here's the crazy thing, right? If we go, if Jesus is our Lord, if we want to come under his authority, follow him, then what do we do with all of these things? We bring them under him. Right? Your, your marriage, guess what that's for? That's to demonstrate the sacrificial love between Christ and the church. That's why you're married. You're not married for comfort. You're married for Christ. If you're not married, guess what that's for? Paul goes into a lot of detail about this one. You have the freedom to live for him all day, every day. You don't have other people that you got to take care of. If you've got kids, you're not trying to just create little mini-me's. You're trying to build and make disciples of Christ. You're trying to reflect the love of Christ so that they will know Christ. You see, all of these things come under this umbrella of Christ. Your job? Who cares what you're doing? Seriously. 
the little widget that you make, the, the thing that you do, irrelevant, totally irrelevant. The people that, you're, that you ought to be showing Christ to in the midst of that, that's the work. If I woke up tomorrow morning and I was convinced that, that serving in the military was a sin, which Joey tried to convince me of that for a long time, but if, if, <laughs> if, if I woke up tomorrow morning and I went, I shouldn't, God has convicted me that that is sinful. I only have one thing to do, and that's stop working. Well, that job. That's hating your life. That's you saying, no, it doesn't matter. If God places a calling in my life, it is what it is. If God says, I ought to go right, but I was planning on going left, I'm going right. He's our Lord. This is what he says to do. Why? Because he just wants to give you a head fake? Because he just likes to keep you on your toes? No, because it's the best thing for you. You just don't know it. It's, um, my kids are better at it now. Um, but <laughs> when I would do like a house project or something, right? I'd have like tools around or things or, you know, maybe, maybe like PVC is probably the best, the best example. So I have all this like PVC pipe laying out or whatever. And I'd like turn my back, right? And then like the kids are like sword fighting with the PVC. And it's like, well, no, that's not what that's for. Um, God has given us tools in our lives. He's given us jobs and people and relationships and houses and all of these things. And we're off sword fighting, just doing whatever. And God's like, I, I gave those to you for a reason. What are you doing? hate your life. What's the point of it? You know, my, my kids are looking at going into college and, and career and like, what am I going to do? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Trust me, it doesn't help me, right? It doesn't matter. I don't know. God's going to do with you whatever, you know, I mean, don't, don't live like ambivalently, right? But like, you know, you can pursue your passions, but ultimately when it really comes down to it, your life is for Christ and to be proclaiming the gospel wherever, whenever, and with whatever people are in your presence. What type of burger you flip or what institution you're working for doesn't really matter. And so, what's the per so, so what do we do with our wealth? What do we do with all the money? Does that mean we can't have nice things? Everybody, every take, everybody takes a big sigh. What's he gonna say? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you, I'm going on vacation with my wife because we need a vacation. Uh, I can tell you that we bought our house, and I've said this before, we bought our house because we, our living room wasn't big enough for a small group. <laughs> and we, 
Did it have to be that high? No, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know the right answer to these things. The question is, is are they coming under the umbrella of Christ? Are we, are we doing these things because we just want comfort? Or are we doing these things because we're trying to pursue Christ in our lives? That is for you guys to figure out. And that is your relationship with God. That is not like, <laughs> I don't know. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong. God could smite me for going on vacation with Melissa. I don't know. I hope not. I hope not. God, please, really. Um, but these are the things that we wrestle with. He says, consider. This is a weighty decision. Right? Last week we baptized... Emma and Michael, and, and um, it's a weighty decision. He, he gives two examples, right? He says, if you're a builder, hey, think about your plans. If you're a king, think about your plans. Think about what you're going to do. Go back to Luke chapter 9 again in verse 57. He says... Um, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. That sounds like us. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home, my family. Sounds reasonable. Sounds like a reasonable request to me. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What's he saying here? He's saying that we have divided attention. We're distracted. We're sword fighting. We're doing all these things. And God's like, I gave you these tools to build my kingdom, not yours. The word disciple means a follower. You can't follow two masters. Jesus says that. You can't do it. You have to pick one. And we, I mean, it's like playing tag, right? When was the last time you adults played tag? I encourage you to do it. It's fun. We should do it. We should do it again. Um, you got to pick somebody. You got to pick somebody that you're going to, right? Like when you, when you spook the herd and everybody's scattered and running, if you switch between who you're chasing, you're not going to end up chasing anybody. Who are you following? If we're following this, and then we're following this, and then we're following this, and we're going to follow this for just a little bit, then we're going to follow Christ, and then we're going to follow Christ for a little bit, and we get distracted, and then we're following over here. That's not what he says. Follow Christ. Because in that, we'll thrive. Because when we put all of these things under Christ's authority, guess what happens, you guys? That peace that you're looking for, you'll really find it. The contentment that you're trying to find in things and possessions and, and events, you'll find it in Christ. 
that suffering that you're going through, it'll have more meaning. When we put things under the umbrella of Christ, that's where we find the solutions to all of these things. We're chasing after all these things, thinking we're going to solve our problems. And it's like, stop trying to save your life. Look at the very end. Verse 33 says, So therefore, any of you that does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That word renounce means to like push to the side. Set aside. Pursue him. I know this is challenging. It's challenging for me. And I don't know what the implications are for each of you. But I'd encourage you to go back and read that. Read it like it's your Lord speaking to you, saying, if you don't hate your life, if you don't bear your cross daily, you'll lose it. Guys, like these aren't these aren't words for us to play around with. This isn't sprinkling a little Jesus in on our, our weekend events. These words are our life. Jesus says that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If that's true, which I believe it is, then that's it. That's what we were created for. Let me pray.